Hello, I'm Philip Brain. And I'm Harry Clennon. And you're listening to Reflection by Spectacles. Today, we're going to be talking about an insight that I wrote, that was published today, about the state of the American media and its coverage of Afghanistan. Yeah, so in this episode, Philip, you really took the failing New York Times to task. <laughs> um, you really you showed bet him, I did. You, you showed him what for. More like the failing Thomas Friedman, but... yeah. Well, that's not new. Anyway, so that sort of frames my first question, right? I, you know, I'm, I'm kidding around, but at the same time, right. I think that the last four years have seen a pretty full-throated defense of the free press, right? The right. country's fourth estate against attacks from Donald Trump and his allies. So for some people, you know, it might seem like a bit of a turn to have people like you and me who call ourselves defenders of liberal democracy to sort of take a take a shot at the media like this. So why don't you explain sort of how this is different, if it is, it is, from from the sort of Trumpian attack on the media and maybe why you think it's still important to be critical of the media and hold the media accountable, even after, especially after Trump is gone. Yeah. So I think the first major difference is today's insight is not motivated by any anger or resentment about the fact that the media is being critical to Joe Biden. Right? That would be a that would be a partisan motivation. A lot of people on Twitter are out there saying you shouldn't be criticizing our president. That's not very different from what Trump was saying. Right? But I I was not trying to say the media shouldn't be critical of Joe Biden. That was Trump's line for a long time, was that these people shouldn't be allowed to be critical of me because I'm Donald Trump, because I'm the president. It was a personal and it was a very authoritarian approach to media and restriction of press freedom. He didn't get very far along that path, thankfully. But it was obviously his intention and his desire in the way that he talked about the media and the way that he thought it should be restricted. So first of all, it's not about that. I think the media needs to be critical of Joe Biden. I think that's really important. Right. I think it's important that we hold him to account and don't just get comfortable because he's not Donald Trump. Yeah, we've tried to do that here. Yeah. And so that aside, I think the critique is really more about the ways in which the media's need for controversy and clickbait, which I think we all know well is just on full display here and how that's not helpful to Americans. Right. Because we are staunch defenders, believers, lovers of liberal democracy. That's why I'm criticizing because media is a critical part of keeping a liberal democracy healthy. It has to inform people. It has to give them information that's useful for making decisions about politics and about what kind of you know, what kind of things they want to see in politics, both in foreign policy and domestic policy. Right. And because it's so crucial, that's why I'm being critical. Because I feel that in this instance, the media has displayed either an inability or an unwillingness to inform rather than entertain. Right. And I think that I I touched on that on in yesterday's focus, 
yeah. about the role of media in a liberal democracy. And I just think it's really on display here. So it's not out of some malice for media or free press or critical press. It's it's about a desire for our press to, to do better because it can do better. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it hasn't. W- right. I mean, what we've seen in the past week or so has been a sort of like strange, like mask off vitriol directed at the Biden administration for withdrawing from Afghanistan. And I think mm-hmm. there are, there is a, a reasonable discussion to be had about why the withdrawal was so chaotic. I think that points in the direction of deeper problems and the you know foolishness and immorality of the initial, you know, invasion of our, Afghanistan. Our, 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 our deeper underestimation of the power of the Taliban, which has, you know, been a problem for a long time. Right. And our deeper overestimation of the stability of the government that we helped construct exactly which we we talked about the root causes of why that couldn't remain stable and and powerful in our insight from friday right so what we've seen though is this is this very bizarre media like backlash and it's right not just the new york times if you look at like cable news they're bringing in a lot of people like people who were the the architects of failed policies in afghanistan and iraq like David Petraeus, Tony Blair as well. Tony Blair been, today, yeah, yeah, got his got his got his airtime. So it's it's been a very strange thing to watch. I think especially as people who were not around for, you know, who were not or well, we weren't paying that that close attention to the news media in two thousand one. You Speak can say for that yourself. I was, <laughs> was two years old, glued, yeah, to, to CNN. But you see that in the Tom Friedman op-ed and the Marine Down op-eds where they're like, "Let's do it." Like, let's go all in. And I understand, like, there was, you know, probably some psychic national trauma from 9-11. And that's, you know, I think that 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 has to be accounted for and we should be sympathetic to that. Right. But that shouldn't overshadow prudence and and those kinds of things. And so you see these people who were... Who were and it doesn't overshadow the fact that even if that was a motivator for us going into Afghanistan, and it was, and our sort of avowed goals were kill bin Laden and destroy or at least drive out al-Qaeda. Right. And we 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 drove al-Qaeda out really quickly. And we didn't get bin Laden. He fled. Right. So basically, goal one, drive out al-Qaeda, we'd achieved. And goal two, kill bin Laden, was no longer achievable in the country right. of Afghanistan. But we stayed. And we said, let's just stay and let's, let's, let's stay. build a democracy. And, right. you know... Uh, Maybe there are merits the idea that uh, of wanting to build a democracy in a place like Afghanistan, but the truth is we clearly didn't know what we were doing. Right? No, not at any given point in the first, in, not not at any given point over the twenty years that we were there. So that I think is has been a really interesting development. Was just watching the media behave the way it did. Yeah, and maybe a, a resurgence of the behavior that, that we might have seen in, in two thousand one had we been. Well, at least I wasn't paying attention. I guess you were paying attention to mm-hmm. TV at age two. But that, I think, was is, is a very interesting development. And it's cause for a lot of, it's cause for a lot of concern, I think, is that it could happen again. And, and, and we don't know how. I mean, the media plays a significant role in shaping public opinion. Yeah. I think that, by and large, the withdrawal is still supported, but it did take a hit. And maybe that just has to do with seeing some some genuinely disturbing footage and and and, and knowing what's going on. And so again, as I as I've said, I think there's reasons to interrogate why the withdrawal went the way it did. But it's also I think that that the media tr- worked very hard to hit Joe Biden, and maybe it was because they felt like they needed to be critical of him for something because they'd been so critical of Trump. I, I, 
Yeah, I don't know. And also, it just distracted from a conversation of how did we get here and what can we learn from the past 20 years, which if that was a conversation that happened, there would be a lot of fingers pointing at the media from 2001 who just brazenly promoted these ideas that we should go in and then never said much of anything about we really should get out. Like yeah. we talk about in today, like I talked about in today's insight, the coverage right. between 2015 and 2019 was like an hour a year, right? Right across everywhere. Yeah, and then in 2020, five minutes, right? Five minutes. You know, so I think it's just, in a way, some of those individual writers, you know, m- may have particular individual feelings about the issue but i think broadly since we've seen this trend so strongly across so many networks it's probably at least a little bit about saving face yeah. and distracting from a conversation about oh wait we kind of let ourselves get carried away and the media is probably partly to blame for that and we, right. we need to be more skeptical of them right that's hugely important i think is that there's this reputational aspect as well it's like there is like you stake your reputation on a certain formulation of u.s foreign policy and you the status quo nation building interventionist hawkish approach to foreign policy and if you stake your reputation on that when you see a reversal of it you're going to start you know that's sort of a a, it may feel i guess like a personal thing and that may have had something to do with it as well so and i would also say i think it's really important that we continue to be critical because we want a better media and i think by holding the media accountable and saying you know what the hell are you guys doing here you know that in itself is an is you know an act of public service and i think it has defined goals just to bring it back to my initial question that are you know fundamentally different from this from the trumpian critique of the media which is just i don't like coverage that is critical of me and there's a problem with it i think the defined goal here is like how can we get the media to be more critical and more thoughtful about, you know, longer term events rather than, you know, short term controversies, which generate, you know, which put eyes on on the screens. And that's another thing to, to point out as well is the media thrived during the Trump presidency. And then all the viewership yep. on all the cable channels has actually gone down, you know, fairly significantly. And so something like this is, you know, kind I mean, not to be cynical, back in a, a, a market opportunity. And that disturbs me personally, right? I mean, they, that 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 really disturbs me, and those those kinds of incentives are troubling. I mean, I think the the twenty four hour news cycle and all that stuff has been toxic in itself before Trump, right? I think oh, it's yeah. it's it's an old thing, and maybe you know, I think we can go back to media critics who, I guess, in some ways, I feel like a lost little bit of their teeth during the Trump administration, thinking about like the Daily Show or Colbert Report and stuff like that. I mean, I don't, you're right, they don't exist in the same form anymore, but they were in large part, their position was one of, of media criticism, which may not have survived so much in the Trump era because the media was treated so poorly by Trump and the press is really yeah. important. So people sort of closed yeah. ranks and said, hey, well, we need a free press and this guy is actually posing a threat to it, which was a fair and important approach to take. But now when media, I think enjoys a you know privileged and you know within certain liberal circles a trusted position it's a good time i think to 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 go back to that and say well how could they be better and we want them to be better we need a free press we need a free press that is critical of those in power or not necessarily critical but interrogates the the positions and actions of those in power because as citizens we need that 
Yeah. We just need them to do it well. Yeah. Yeah. We need them to do it responsibly and in a way that's helpful. Right. And this is one of the things that really bothered me about a lot of the Afghanistan coverage that we've been seeing in recent days is, okay, okay, take it as a given, take it as a given that the withdrawal could have been done better, could have been done bloodlessly. Take that as a given if the Biden administration just done done it correctly. Right. Now, by the way, that's it's not very clear that 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 should be a given, but just take it as a given for a second. And then the question becomes, okay, sure. Criticize the way that it's being done. There are these problems. They could have been avoided. What does that achieve? What, how is that helpful to the American reader or listener or voter? Right. What, that we should have made some different logistical plans I mean, that, that is not fundamentally helpful as a criticism to right. voters. The question is why, I mean, because regardless of what happened, even if the withdrawal had gone perfectly, the Taliban would have taken the country back. So we would still There's be sitting no with the question, we would still be sitting with this conundrum of why did we spend 20 years, we kicked the Taliban out and then we spent 20 years in the country and we left and then they're back. That, that would have happened almost no matter what. I don't think there's a scenario where that where that didn't happen. And so instead of asking that question, we're asking a lot of questions about the withdrawal, which I think in a lot of ways ends up being a proxy for why didn't you stay longer? And yeah. that also leads to a kind of dead end of like, you know. Well, you just stay forever. Yeah, right. We just stay forever. It's important to note that there are ways to be critical of Joe Biden, because Joe Biden was a was an enthusiastic supporter of oh, yeah. the initial invasion of Afghanistan. He said, we shouldn't be afraid of the phrase nation building. And, you know, now today he's saying, well, nation building doesn't work. And so I think you can see, even during the Obama presidency, he opposed the surge in Afghanistan in the early 2010. So his mind changed about those things. But it is worth taking him to task a little bit and saying, well, you have a responsibility for this 20-year war and that i think he owes some explanation to the american people for that i mean you know politicians do change their mind but they should be held to account for why they changed their mind and what's gone on and i think that you know the american people would benefit from something like that especially a cataloging of yeah. why joe biden's mind changed from 2001 through the obama presidency to today where he says you know we should get out and that's the kind of criticism or the kind of interrogation of, of people in power that i think is very useful yeah and I just and, haven't seen and, a lot of and, that. And not what logistical differences could have been done to make this turn out differently. Right. It's just not helpful in the same way for, yeah. for thinking about domestic and foreign policy in, in the broader scale. Yeah. And then the other thing that, that sort of irritated me a lot was, and I don't want to go on too long, but that irritated me was the catastrophizing about what, you know, China is going to think about this because of the withdrawal. Yeah. What are our enemies yeah. going to think about yeah. this? And that was, that was, I think, one of the more egregious things was the extrapolation, the, the wild extrapolation of this singular instance to, you know, what is this going to mean for Taiwan? What is this going to mean for Ukraine? World shattering like, scales. Yeah. It's like there's there's nothing analytically useful there. It's just it's just like taking oh there's this one situation, this one country. Thus, it must apply, and it, to every other country. It, it's indicative of how speculative it is that one of the articles published by the New York Times that did that was the one by Friedman, which is just a fictional series of conversations right. he wrote where yeah. he talks to 
Xi Jinping, what do you think about this? What's going to happen with China and Afghanistan? Like the fact that that is what the New York Times published, speculating about the impacts is indicative of, well, just how speculative and not necessarily helpful or grounded in fact that it is. Right. I mean, they're good questions like what's going to happen in Afghanistan now. You know, they share, you know, they sh- they're close to China. They share a small sliver of their northeastern border, but the rest of their border is with like six other countries. Right. But the Taliban has been meeting, did meet with the Chinese government and they've, you know, gotten some legitimacy. So there's, there's a reasonable question I think, to be asked, what is China? What are China's interests? What might what might China do? But that I don't think quite goes all the way to Taiwan, and especially I don't, I don't think it goes to like Ukraine or something like yeah. that. So I think that that in particular was something that, that irritated me. It was like this absolute catastrophizing from people who, who should know better and should know how to do a sober analysis of a situation. And I think that that was, there was, they never qualified any sort of those concerns. So that was, that bothered me. Yeah. Anyways, with that little discussion about some of the some of the aspects that we didn't get to explore totally fully in the insight, I hope that you enjoyed that reflection, found it interesting. If you did, consider subscribing for new episodes of Bird's Eye and Reflections and Spectacles and Conversation. If you want to hear our Insight and Focus articles read out loud, you can subscribe to Spectacles Out Loud. There'll be a link in the show notes. And if you'd like to check out the article that we're talking about and you haven't yet, also click the link in the show notes. And subscribe on our website. And subscribe on our website. Thanks for tuning in.